Welcome back to another 10 Straight Hooligans. Wow, there is quite a bit of stuff happening in the multiverse right now. And we're going to talk about some of it, but not all of it, because we got other stuff to talk about. Uh, but today, we're joined by about half of the of the regular hooligans and then some honorary hooligans. First off, the producer, Mr. Johnny Slivers, is contractually uh, obligated to be here. So thank you for being here. Uh, this was not in the fine print. And this will be the second beer starting the show. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> and uh, returning our honorary uh, hooligan for our D&D episodes. But she is back uh, because I needed someone to drink wine with. So Miss uh, Pixie Kitten from Pixie Kitten Plays, not Pulls, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for asking me. I love being here. Wow, uh, I wouldn't go that far. She hasn't but... learned yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not talking about movies with me this week, but talking about not really magic either, but, you know, talk about stuff. Mr. Jason Alt from Brainstorm Brewery. We could actually push that you're from Brainstorm Brewery on this show. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Once again, I'm bailing you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Usually. Uh, that's right on theme. Usually, uh, you know. Jason's. So Johnny, do I have to carry this podcast too, or can you? <laughs> I'll, I'll see if tonight. I can lift lift you know, a box or two for you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like on Director's Cut or anything else we do, we drink. Uh, and I have a special guest here, but I'll slow roll mine. Johnny, what kind of beer is your number two tonight? Uh, I'm 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 doing this. Oh, a little festive, a little we're, early for March. We're creeping, but... we're creeping up on the the green holiday. So I picked up a couple case box thing, twelve packs of green green beerish, not green green, but you know, from the green place. From the green place, interesting. <laughs> Jason, what uh, crazy named beer do you have tonight? It's not that crazily named. I have uh, an Arcadia Ales Apollonian. Boom! Uh, I'm drinking that out of the bottle. Apollyon, yeah. I don't. My Greek's terrible, so. <laughs> Good thing we're covering a Greek. Good thing we're covering a Greek director this <laughs> weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a golden ale. It's a summertime brew, but I bought a lot of it before they stopped making it for the year, and uh, so my beer fridge is keeping me warm. So it's, it's a real fantastic tasting golden ale from uh, one of my favorite Kalamazoo area breweries. So cheers. Cheers. Excellent. Uh, yeah, you've had that one on the on the other show before. Um, it looks like a real, real good one, uh, Miss Rachel. You and I are are wine and wine and dining it tonight. So, who is your special wow. guest? Oh, I'm just drinking some Apothic Inferno. I don't, I don't have the bottle because I finished it off. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we thought Johnny was. Yeah, excellent. I have a Milbrandt. Uh, this is a Brothers Blend. Uh, it's Washington State wine. I've only had the Cab and the Malbec, so I've never had the uh, the Red Blend. So I'm going to be drinking that. Twist Top, don't let it fool you. A lot of people, you know, a lot of beers, even high-end beers, are going to cans. And a lot of high-end wines are going to Twist Tops. Uh, it's just it's a fresher way to store the it. The, the cork's not better. It's just, it's yeah. it's pure snobbery. You, I, yeah. And I heard that the cork, like the cork trees, it, they're going extinct. So they're actually trying to use them less as well. It's yeah. It's like a supply demand cost yeah. issue. It's a quality control issue. I, I worked in the industry years ago and they were starting to transition like high end stuff was starting to transition to screw cap. And it's mm -hmm. just, 
you know, the cork can fail and the screw cap less likely. Yeah. yeah. I've, uh, I've paid $40 for plenty of corked bottles of wine over my tenure. And, uh, it sucks. It's no fun. Nope. Uh, so Lachaim, uh, hooligans. Prost. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mazel tov. <laughs> Cheers. Damn. Yeah. See, that's a lot of structure. It's got some backbone to it. Um, yeah, Coach uh, is going through some real shit, and I don't want to out his stuff, so uh, more on that later, because I think we're going to talk about that uh, next week sometime, maybe. Um, Zuby is just out on assignment, we'll say. But uh, let's let's kick off some, you know, first off, I want to say that this this podcast is brought to you by the good folks at cardsphere.com, simply the best place to buy, sell, and trade your paper Magic the Gathering cards online. You can also head on over to inkgaming.com to get cool play mats. Uh, I got one right here. I like this doggo right here. Um, if you enter promo code HiMindMTG, you get 10% off your purchase. Um, so we're get, this is kind of a pop-up episode. We don't have a charity spotlight. Uh, just if you want to click on the last episode of Tin Street Hooligans, uh, you could just you know give to that cause. It was mental health. Um, so please, you know that that's great. Um, but we're, we got a couple magic things to talk about first. And that first off, um, and I, I think Jason is probably the, the closest to this person. Um, but Brian David Marshall, like an actual titan of oh, our right. of our uh, of our game oh. our community, uh, that was his last. Uh, he went out. That was a swan song uh, at the last event, and yeah. just a real emotional time for everyone. What you, yeah, were you? Did you get choked up too, Jay? Because I was like, dumb. I not until Hagon brought him to the desk and they did their last sign off together. Like, yeah, I, I got a little emotional. This is a, uh, this is going to be real detrimental to coverage, uh, which is going through some restructuring. And um, uh, I, I just, he, he's not just a, a Titan of coverage. So like uh, from all the way back, running some of the first tournaments out of neutral ground, you know, uh, He's, he's, he's on a neutral ground out oh, Manhattan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He brought magic to New York, basically. Like, he's the guy. So, um, I don't think we've heard of the last of him, like, in the community, per se, but, like, on, on the coverage team. Uh, he's he's moved on to a new opportunity be, that has a little bit more stability for him. And it's just a, another chapter in his life. And, you know, good for him, but it's, it's bad for me. He took a non magic job, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rachel, I know you're I'm sorry. I keep calling you like I'm keep outing your real name, but um, PK. All of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> your audio just went all oh, big booming voice. Oh, big booming in a bad way or a good way. In a, in a way. We'll just say in a way. way. Hopefully that's better. Um, PK, do, do you have any, um, did you watch a lot of coverage or uh, do you have any experience watching uh, Brian David Marshall? No. Okay. Really none. I'm sorry. I have nothing to say about this topic. No, it's totally totally fine. It's just and like Jason said, he was such a a pillar of just like you think of the game. He's he's been involved in in every facet of it. Um, he has the you know at least we get to go out on the famous meme of uh, the one schmuck uh, dropping f bombs and just I think that would have crumpled like any other coverage person. Not any other, but a lot of the other coverage people, and he just. He rolled with it and just turned it into to something great, and that's just. Unfortunately, I think that's what he'll 
for a lot of people that didn't cover him so or follow him so closely, that's what he's going to be remembered as. But he's just so much more, and just what a what a black hole. Johnny, do you think that this was? Did he see kind of writing on the wall with where Magic coverage is going, and that kind of helped it make that decision easier for him? Yeah. Yes. What, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Like you're talking about, I don't, I never followed him very closely. I knew, I kind of knew a bit about his tenure, knew that he was really integral to the history of the game and where, you know, event development, you know, TO's development came from. And, and just, he was just like at the center of it. He was there at the beginning and he was just there. He hit the, he got there at the right time. He got to the station before the train left. So he had been doing this forever. And even if, even if you, been playing for a couple of years and maybe didn't know him very well but you knew about him there's a couple people you just are ubiquitous with this game and he's one of them and when he goes that means something so either he's they found a, he found a really sweet deal worth leaving magic for or he definitely saw something he must have seen some writing on the wall and jason i imagine you would have a little more insight as to whether or not someone like brian would make that kind of a move unless he saw like you know an imminent kind of change that was going to affect him. Well, or coverage sort of walked back what they were doing, but it was a little too late. The die had been cast sort mm -hmm. of a deal. I don't think that the, that this is an indication that the history of uh, the future of coverage is imperiled. I think this is an indication that the future of coverage was very uncertain. And uh, I talked to Corbin Hostler daily. So I, I know some of the uncertainty that was, you know, that he was dealing with about, you know, that huge loss of income and how he would replace that. So, uh, so everybody that was on coverage kind of knew that things were very uncertain. You know, they weren't asked back to every GP all of a sudden. And Corbin's basically reinventing coverage from the ground up. So it's... um. It's going to take a while, but it'll be like it used to be. But it was so uncertain during the summer that a lot of people made other arrangements. And I think those that could moved on to something else. Yeah. Uh, Prost uh, Gaming in, in the chat said BDM was uh, my LGS owner in high school. So, I mean, that's wow. That's awesome. Um yeah, it's it's just it's just crazy. It's you, you just take certain things for granted. You take certain things like having you know Marshall Sutcliffe or um, you know any of those guys that have just been fixtures of the game, and you just remove them, and it's just like, what is this magic anymore? It, it's that big of a at least for you know like PK. It, it's not a huge blow because you didn't really watch a lot of magic coverage, or at least not with with him. So you don't have that. Um, that kind of tie to them. But for people like, like Jason or probably even Johnny or and myself or Zuby or anyone that's been entrenched in this game for 10, 15 plus years to have something like that, just remo it's like removing a, a color from the color pie. Almost. It, it's just, it's I mean, bizarre. Let's, let's not overstate it. His, his appeal is deep and narrow. Well, let's not overstate just him personally, but, but also the, where the coverage is going and where, everything is just kind of shifting. It just feels like another, another huge change into, you know, it's like old dogs don't like change, right? Like I, I don't like, I'm very comfortable with, with how magic is. And it's not like when they come out with something new or, or whatever, I'm not against it. I'm just like, Oh, vinyl's better. If it's not, you know, arena's great and you know, whatever is good, but it's just when 
they're just they're just the decisions and and them just saying okay well this you know no more coverage or whatever or just making it very hard or like we're not going to pay artists and and I don't want to get negative I hate getting negative on, on Watsy and because there's always another side of the story but it just seems like lately it's just hit after hit after hit and I, I loved Aaron Forsyth's uh, text today where it's just like it's hard to be a part of Magic and you know it's there's so much drama involving it was very tongue tongue in cheek and then that's when he announced uh, the other thing that we're going to talk about in Modern Horizons uh, but it's kind of true it's just like lately the, like January yeah, and February has just been crazy we don't know how much of this was Hasbro decisions you know mm-hmm you don't know how much of this was they're trying to restructure based on because you know some dude at Hasbro like it's like man we really love how you killed it with the Rock'em Sock'em Robots game how about you be promoted to Magic and they're like ah my nephew plays Fortnite what if Magic <laughs> was an eSport and they're like uh, it's a card game he's like ah ah you don't need coverage for paper <laughs> like uh, you never know what's going on over at Hasbro because they're pulling the strings and with people like, Hey, we've been doing this at Watsi since 1993. Can you let us handle it? And he's like, nah, it's my job. Now I'm going to tank magic, run it to the ground and get a $58 million golden parachute when I get fired. (laughs) So like you, you just, you never know where some of these decisions are coming from, but like wizards is not trying to kill paper. They're not trying to kill magic. Like let's, let's calm our tits. Everybody just collectively. Yeah, well, I, t- I totally get it, but it, <laughs> don't, doesn't it feel like uh, it does? Because I used to be in some of those those board those nasty boardroom meetings in my last job, and it's just like it it just does feel. And I think it's very important to make that distinction where this is doesn't feel like a Watsy set of moves. It feels like a Hasbro set of moves. This feels like people that make Monopoly, not people that make the greatest card game of all time, making these decisions. But it was. Hasbro's like, we are not going to pay for coverage, and then coverage is still going to happen, and it's going to be ad hoc for a while, but it's going to get sorted out. Either Channel foots the bill, or they divert money, or somebody changes their mind. This just, it's so easy to screw this up, and it's harder to fix it. And after like one GP with no coverage, everyone's like, yeah, they could have gotten better microphones. It's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? Like they they flew in on Wednesday to to basically build coverage with like no support from Wizards. You're like, dad, their microphones were kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, one GP, there's no coverage, and they build it all from the ground up. And you're gonna nitpick? Go fuck yourself! Like I'm just so sick. <laughs> That's like never underestimate the propensity of a Magic player to bitch. Yeah, that's just, what we do. <laughs> Not what we do. We're we're lady, lady and gentlemen, right? <laughs> I just told uh, hypothetical people to go fuck themselves twice in thirty seconds. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I qualify as a gentleman, but like, look, it's, this is fine. Let's not overstate it. Coverage is not going away. They'll find a way. Channel Fireball, Star City's doing their own thing too, and that's fine. So, like, but Star City's always done their own. I, I feel yeah. like. And if Channel Fireball has to has to have an adjustment period of less than a month, yeah, then that <laughs> well, well, I, I wouldn't say that. This had to have been in the in the tunnel for a while, though. So I wouldn't say they just pulled the rug out and be like, "Now coverage is all on you. You got the bill." I think in this partnership, probably in the fine print, this was coming and this was already known, or, uh, or unless I mean, it. Wasn't like I mean maybe they got the broad picture sometime in the next eighteen months this is going to happen 
but that's if that's all the it's intel hard to play around uncertainty all i knew i've i've been abreast of this whole thing since basically the changes started happening and all there was was uncertainty and you can't play yeah. it for uncertainty yeah. yeah so you're talking about gpla that that coverage team was like a last minute pull that all together with kenobi and marshall and all that stuff yeah uh that, I, I guess we know where the uh, the artist budget went. I mean, I don't want to be a prick, but we're just flying uh, that, people. That would start making some sense. It's like kind of you put you reading the tea leaves. Every time you get an extra tea leaf, it's like, oh, that made sense three months ago. Now, okay, yeah, we're just flying people all over the world to to well, talk to people for always, an hour. It was always from Magic's advertising budget, and that was how they rationalized it. The yeah. GPs are. In pub it's the PTs, all that stuff is publicity. Right. It's the so promotional it's tour, not the pro so, tour. Yeah. And then when you gotta cut costs, the first thing you gotta cut is the stuff that's not making you money. So artists don't pay for booths. So yeah. vendors do. I'm I'm not a fan of the change, but like when you have a company like Hasbro that's hemorrhaging money on all their other bullshit, and they're like, Well, what can magic do for us? Yeah. Well, let's, let's turn it around, and it's a good segue into a more positive thing. And we had the very first uh, non-binary uh, individual, Autumn Burchett. I want to, I hope I'm saying the last name correctly, but won a very big event, and that was pretty much awesome. Set the world on fire. You know, everyone changed their name, myself included, to to Night of Autumn, and it, it was a really cool thing. Um, PK, did you did you watch that, or did you check all that out? Did. I actually uh, did watch some of the um, like the last few games, and although I was really upset that everyone was pretty much playing blue in some way, um, <laughs> it, it really it really hurt my heart because the, I was like none of those decks I'll ever build or play. But yeah, it was really exciting though. I mean. I liked it because it was standard. So I knew the cards as opposed to modern. I can't I can't watch modern coverage. Like I don't but have there are only like twenty playable cards in modern. You can figure it out in like fifteen minutes. Well, <laughs> I never tried because that's I'm half or blue. Yeah. No, that yeah. that's yeah, there's a lot of blue. <laughs> <laughs> don't care for this. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> but I knew all the cards, so I was able to follow what was going on and it was it was really exciting. I mean, some of those games were really close, and it was it was fun. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was. It was uh, Johnny. You watched it too, right? No. Oh, <laughs> I don't. I and I say that because I don't watch any of the pro tour major events. I don't watch coverage. I barely have time to rewatch any of stuff from our team. So it's just. I don't, I have, I got away. I don't know. I, when I got playing EDH and really just started playing more in the casual scene, the whole like pro level, like promotional big event kind of stuff, it just fell by the wayside for me. So I just, I never really watched it in the first place. So and you're the I, reason why we're not getting coverage. You. No, I'm <laughs> derp, derp, I mean, you know, it, good on autumn. That's, that's, that's an awesome achievement for anybody to win a major event like that. And then to, to, you know, be a representative for for the trans community like that. That's cool. That's awesome. I you know, and I, that's a great thing to celebrate. And it's just it's really just not something that wasn't on. You know, the whole event just wasn't on my radar. I barely knew it was happening till the weekend, so I don't really pay that close attention to it. Sure. 
they really knew that deck better than anybody and oh, like man. that really showed in the mirror match where, when they were like when they were r running circles around reduke it was ridiculous yeah, yeah. yeah. running circle around reduke is uh not a that's that's an achievement right there and some of those plays i was like i i understand they know the deck better than i do but i cannot fathom right. why they aren't playing and then mm -hmm. 15 turns later they could see the whole game when i yeah. was i could just see the their hands so it was like watching bobby fisher play chess it was it was insane <laughs> no it, it really was i was just, i was like dumbfounded and uh Oh yeah, because sometimes Bobby Fisher will make a move, and you're like, "What?" And then you see it <laughs> six, seven turns later. You know, he was attacking a square that wasn't even in play. You know, <laughs> like he was like, oh, "I know G seven's important." Twenty <laughs> moves, so and, there, and it's ridiculous. And it's like a stack of cards too. Like, uh, you know, our our buddy Cat Light, she calls it Mono Blue Shitters. I, I was a little disappointed that she didn't get. Uh, like, she got a lot of uh, attention for her her coverage, like her video coverage, and of course the meme of that guy dancing. Uh, mm -hmm. That was all shot by her, which is fantastic. But <laughs> wait, the the dance. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about the little dancing guy. Yeah, a Twitter account dedicated to that meme, that, that's, that GIF. It's like that, they're just—I guess—they're finding reasons and captions for it. Yeah, I mean, people gotta be entertained somehow. Um, but she—I mean, she pretty much did she not pioneer the day? I swear. I mean, I just had her on the damn show, and I—I'm like, why aren't people mentioning her name more with this? She's an early adopter for sure. Yeah, and I'm just like, I, I'm super stoked for Autumn, but. I mean, Cat needs to get some some love, you know, some runoff love for this because th this that's her deck, man. Like she she named it the Mono Blue Shitters, and and it's just it's just really cool to see a deck like that, even though it's blue. PK, mm -hmm. it's it's cool to see just uh, like a pile of trash take down major events. It was definitely <laughs> impressive. Yes, it was. I mean. Uh when you say a pile of trash, you really mean like small, efficient flyers and permission and cards. Right. Like, oh, it's not hydrate. It's not crisis, though. You know, it's like I, you, we all played through, uh, is you know, Return to Ravnica. Tier one. Well, it's it's not Sphinx's Revelation. We have Sphinx's Revelation in, in the format again in hydrate crisis. And it was just really refreshing to see not that deck win. And just this this kind of little aggro tempo deck win. I, I just got a kick out of it. I mean, it's 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 a blue night deck. Yeah. With with better uh, like permission spells, you know, instead of uh, whatever that all your creatures are indestructible. It's it's got permission, so it's it's fine. Flyers are good. Flyers in all formats. Flyers in all format, and, and then the it, it was it was kind of reminiscent of the heroic deck too, like the Azorius aggro heroic deck from Theros, right. where you're suiting them up with, with uh, uh, enchant or auras, uh, which is always bad. But you got the stupid little aura from Ixalan. Oh, you, you slap on it, it's just like, why is this working? But it is, and people are dying to tutus. It's just a great time. Trust cards. It it does it affidians the shit out of out of the deck. Uh, let's jump on over to my, yeah our last magic related uh, or not question but topic before we jump into the meat of what this episode's supposed to be about. Although we're just talking about magic, um, a little little thing called Modern Horizons was spoiled today by an NFL football player and uh, set the set the world a buzz. 
Um, no, nah, he's he's cool. Cassius Mars is a, is a nice guy. Um, but yeah, that that got spoiled, and uh, now we have modern or cards that have bypassed standard and are just being. Um, uh, it was it was from Tom Ross. He was one of the his one year at Wizards. This is kind of his baby. Uh, what he worked on, this and is now brilliant. it's. Yeah, it's coming to fruition, and, and it looks sweet. We got some cards spoiled. Uh, the Cabal, the Cabal therapist. So we had Cabal therapy. We now know who distributes the therapy in this little one-one creature. And then also, we finally got a planeswalker for uh, a very Lady Gaga-esque looking uh, Sarah Angel or Sarah of the Sarah realms. Uh, finally, has her time to shine in a pretty freaking awesome. Looking Planeswalkers card. So, what do, what do you first off? What do you guys think about the set, the idea of, of this set, and the card spoiled? We'll start with PK. Uh, I think the set. I don't know what it means. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I looked at the I looked at the Cabal card, but then I just didn't care about it. But the the Sarah the Benevolent Planeswalker. Oh, I'm all about that. That card looks awesome. The art, first of all, is amazing. Another Magali, yeah. Amazing. And her abilities seem really cool. Um, I was thinking earlier today, and maybe y'all can help me with this, when you get an emblem, when you ultimate a planeswalker and get an emblem, is there any way to remove an emblem from the board? Not yet. No. So you can't it's coming. Like, there's no way to target it. You can't remove it at all. Ever. It's the only no-no at this point of the game. No, um, probably something in War of the Spark is might in a show zone up. can interact with, yeah. Okay. Isn't that scary? That's why Planeswalkers are so scary. You have to deal with them before that. But yeah. how narrow of a card is this? Just like, destroy target Planeswalker emblem. They could do it. It won't. It wouldn't be busted. But right now, it's it's kind of you know sacrosanct where it's just like no, you can't. No, no you know nothing can it, touch the it. The rule change is simple. They turn them into permanents. That's that's it. Just yeah, but then why? Then it's not special anymore. Yeah, that's what exactly. Like it seems like it is a permanent. Like it's there, always. Like it's it's literally is a permanent. But cards that remove permanents don't remove emblems. No, I, I can see like it. I can see how it being confusing for yeah, uh, but it it's just that's what pushes kind of that that's what kind of pushes planeswalkers over the top because they have that untouchable quality of something that they could produce. Um, yeah. But I just think that there's too much design space there for them not to kind of touch on that. I could I don't think they're gonna go full bore like Johnny said where it's just gonna be like retro or you know uh, errata it to make it a permanent to, so everything can remove it because then I think that kind of loses the luster, but I do think that they're going to, you know, going forward and that's going to help with more design space, you know, destroy target, uh, you know, creature planeswalker or planeswalker emblem. I, I see them doing something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, her emblem is really cool. I, I will have fun playing. How long have you been playing magic? Uh, I started playing in about July. Oh, wow. Okay. Less than uh, a year. They printed a card called Worship back in 98. And like I, it's basically her emblem. If you control a creature, your life total oh. damage can't reduce your life total to less than one. And cool. uh, that and Platinum Angel, life. right? Kind of? Well, plat no, Platinum Angel is different because a loss of life can get around Worship, whereas Platinum Angel, it just right. says you can't lose the game. Right. So like worship changed the way I built decks. Like that was so like seeing this on 
this this card that is like a you know one of my top hundred cards ever that basically impacted how I see the game as a, a an emblem on a a really flavorful card that seems like it'll be at least EDH if not modern playable is is pretty special to me. So I, I'm really glad this resonated with someone that's fairly new to the game too. It's like you're having the same experience I had when I was new to Magic. Yeah, it looks awesome. I can't wait to play it. Yeah, that was a perfect design move encapsulated on a card, I think, uh, for, for us old Salty Dogs and the newer players. Uh, you must have been over the moon then, like you said, Jason. But thinking about from a financial standpoint, because that's kind of your your wheelhouse, what do you think uh, a set like this means for for that, uh, you know, for, for finance or it's not going to affect standard. So is it not going to be know, worth as much? Or? Any, I don't know enough information to say anything. Sure. I don't know what the pack prices or box prices are going to be. Um, I don't know how many new cards and how many reprints. I don't know how fa far back they're going on reprints. Are they going to reprint portal stuff like personal tutor? Are they just going to keep stuff that's like within the last few years of modern? Are they like, I'm, I'm thinking more of the original cards though. Like the newer cards just newer for modern. It really depends on pack price, but I think boxes of this are going to sell fairly well, and I think they're not going to have the guaranteed foil like the um, like the master sets. Sure. So I think it'll be really interesting if you can sell a seven dollar booster pack of this. Yeah, uh, that's. I, I, I think you can probably do it. I think this set will be good enough because I, I think it'll have some really good reprint equity, and I think the new stuff will be desirable enough because there's no other way to get it. And if the stuff impacts modern, you're going to need a play set of Cabal Therapist, for example. So. I think uh, this will sell very briskly. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a monster of a set. And I, I, I applaud it. John, do you think it's going to be more of a master? Or do you think it's going to be more of like a conspiracy as far as, you know, I mean, there's technically no MSRP anymore, but do you think it's going to be more of the line of that kind of uh, original set with reprints like conspiracy was where you could still pay a normal pack price or do you think it's going to go more in the master realm? I I don't know much about this beyond what I by the time I saw any tweets about this it was late afternoon I never really got a chance to take closer looks at it so I haven't seen the cards but what I gathered from well I guess the first question what plane is a therapist licensed on that's good to know <laughs> but, but also when they when I hear they're printing new cards exclusively for modern and then they're talking about reprinting legacy cards from we you know we don't know how far back they're planning to go, but you know it won't be reserve list, but it's still going to be a legacy play like legacy legal card to make it legal for modern. It tells me that that tells me legacy and now that you know legacy and vintage are already kind of waning as it is. This is going to accelerate that process, and it, I really see modern will be the new eternal format that Wizards wants to keep around because they actually d dedicated design space for it. And that I think is a huge signal probably to they're like recognizing a lot of the older players who maybe aren't playing standard or have are starting to get bored with arena. Like I'm actually getting a little bored with arena. Cause I'm just like, I'm not putting money into a digital product that I can't even like wheel and deal with on because it's so finite or because of just the aesthetic of it. Uh, just more it's, it's just like it gets to a point like if i'm not going to be dumping cash into it i can't go play the rank system and then it's just i don't know it stops making sense but if this like seeing seeing pk's reaction to the sarah planeswalker when i see a reaction like that it's like okay they want these cards to be new and shiny to standard players 
but they can't play them in standard. So there's some new incentive for them to get into something like commander. So they're going to do some cross pollination with their player bases with this, but being they're getting, you know, they got rid of master sets, but they know modern's popular. And I think this is a sign that wizards accepting the fact that modern is probably the strongest eternal format and they want to support it. And this is a clear sign that they're supporting it. Um, that's my biggest takeaway from this. As far as prices go, that's the only sketchy part because without the MSRP, like all we know is they're charging six ninety five a pack for Magic Online. So that other part is like, okay, they're updating MTGO. So that's even though it's like people complain about it, it's not dead yet. There's a lot of info, and this is all in a tweet I saw from um, Evan uh, Evan Irwin. He po posted like the, the basics of what this set was, and it definitely it shows me more new life for modern death knell for anything older and it's kind of like it's this new shiny master set as far as i'm concerned i mean legacy will just be a boutique format for enfranchised players it'll still be fine and this will have less of a, an effect on legacy than star city not doing the legacy sunday tournaments anymore you know legacy limped that off and it became what it is now I think that had a more profound effect on legacy as a format than this announcement. This, this shot in the arm for MTGO. Do you think that was on purpose to basically them saying yes, arena, you know, everyone's saying that in myself included arena is the new shiny thing. This is what everyone thought we were going to do, but Hey, MTGO is still being supported. Do you think that was kind of on purpose with releasing this? It's not a signal. It's just a thing they were always going to do. Hmm. They never had any intention of getting rid of Moto because people have money in their Moto collections and it's cheaper to keep Moto like just going than, I don't know, like however they would pay off everyone that's got a Moto collection. Yeah, but wouldn't it be easy enough in because uh, it's digital just to be like, here's an update. This is how you port your Moto collection over to Arena now and everyone just play Arena and Moto's gone. But there's so many moto cards that aren't on arena. They would no. I mean no. But it, I mean arena is still relatively in its infancy. Eventually, they're not gonna, like have a bunch of like legacy decks on, and they're like, "Don't worry, we dusted them for you. You got a bunch of jackpot <laughs> cards or whatever. You got wild cards. <laughs> Turn your time vault into a hydroid crisis. No, that there there's there's not a good way to do it. And I think it's it's pretty inexpensive to keep moto going, and a lot of people still use it. People like it. The botnets are still thriving people are buying the booster packs and drafting it's it's not going away yet i don't know if it ever will but like i don't think this was a signal to be like don't worry we were committing to moto it's just like sure. they just always planned it don't you feel like it's kind of uh uh this this would have been the spot for battle bond too if battle bond would have taken off though and so, battle bond just didn't work so they're just like yeah, battle bond sold gangbusters but yeah. I thought they weren't supporting it anymore. They're not. They're not designing for it anymore. This is what I heard. Who said that? Uh, I mean, I <laughs> some guy somewhere said it. Some yeah, J Jimmy Jimmy Sausage and Peppers at my local pharmacy <laughs> store told me that. You 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 saying Jimmy's a liar? No, I don't know. Uh, no, yeah, I. I for some reason, I thought they said that Battle Bond was a it was basically an experiment that didn't really work out as as much as they hoped so it, it I, I don't know it just feels like once they f like get a hit like uh well what they think is a hit. Was a hit 
Oh man, see, I, I, I thought it was the complete opposite. I mean, that goes to show you, I didn't really play Battle Bond, but just like listening to everyone, I thought that it, I thought it kind of didn't work. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, maybe it did, and maybe they'll bring it back, or maybe this takes the place of conspiracy or something. Battle they, Bond took the place of conspiracy. Okay, uh, it just always feels like they're replacing something that that didn't work, and I just figured that this was. I don't know. It just feels like, well, hurry up. What, what do we do? Well, we're, we're going to make a, a moderns only kind of mini master set uh, and, and people will like it. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm super excited for it. I think it's going to be the more reprints for, for modern cards, the better because modern such a great format, but it just has such uh, a steep uh, buy-in. And I think that it, it, it can be one of the best formats around uh, construct or competitively, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the more, the better. And I think that this is going to really do what they envision master sets doing. And, and maybe they could relegate future master sets into more, you know, even more eternal formats or whatever, and still support modern that way. Uh, but like Johnny said, I think they're, they're definitely going, you know, all cards on the table, so to speak, and, and going, full bore into modern which is which is great because it is a great format and it should it, it deserves to stay around um yeah any uh last thoughts on any magic things that we talked about before we we get into the non-magic stuff um no <laughs> nothing i want to nothing i want to get into you know okay pk no i'm just mad about blue Oh jeez! I'm sorry, Ooh, really. Yeah. I don't know about it. Terramander's a real card. It is Delver's. It's secret. a Delver, right? <laughs> right? I was like, shit. It, it, it's it's so Delver was good. Is it <laughs> or is it better than Delver? It's worse mm, than Delver, but it's, it's worse. Still yeah, Delver. It's the closest we got. And which is just fantastic. It, you know what's so funny? It, it just makes uh, if you go back and watch our episode when we were uh, spoiling the the set with uh, Milo, Milo the Great, and uh, Johnny was trying to find the the screenshot of Terramander, and everyone's like, "What's a Terramander? We don't know what a Terramander is." And then Milo was just like, "No, seriously, it's like the best card in the set." We're just like, "We have no idea. It's an uncommon." It just makes us look so funny in that episode now. Oh, that uh, just tells me you didn't listen to the Brainstorm Brewery set review with Cat Light. Where I mean, there you go. Our, I mean, the art came out first. If you're a good friend, you'd if you're a good friend, you'd support me. That's all. That's fine. Wow. There, wow. there it is. Wow. <laughs> okay. Moving on. This episode, we're talking about our top five non-Magic the Gathering-related uh, favorite games, whether that be tabletop or video games. We've all compiled, hopefully, we've all compiled our top five, and we'd just like to uh, kind of share that with, with, with the audience. Uh, everyone came for, you know, usually comes for Magic, but let's find out a little bit more about us as far as uh, where we came from and how we got there uh, as far as our, our, our nerd-isms go. So let's see. Uh, for the first time, Mr. Jason Alt, you're, you're the first time on this very show. So why don't you kick us off? What's your? Do you have any honorable mentions that you couldn't fit in your top five? If not, what is your your? Yeah, fit? yeah I got some honorable mentions. Let's hear um, First honorable mention is uh, Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. Nice. It was Ninja Turtles 2 for the uh, the Nintendo, and it was in every Pizza Hut. Which was basically the X-Men game as well. The side-scrollers were a real treat. Uh, the Simpsons, X-Men, and uh, and Ninja Turtles. So that era, like, if you're around my age, you, you, you knew that. But for the most, 
you know, like uh, we were talking about Book It on um, oh. on Brainstorm Brewery, where you would read the books and get the little vinyl <laughs> stickers, and then you can get a free personal pan pizza. And yeah. then Corbin was like, what if you just lied and said you read the books? I'm like, then Pizza Hut gives you a $4 pizza and your parents spend $39 <laughs> on dinner. They, they tricked you into going to Pizza Hut when you would never go to Pizza Hut. Like, you didn't steal anything for Pizza Hut. Right. <laughs> just read it like you're, you're in third grade. How hard is it to read, you know, My Side of the Mountain or some crap? Like, third graders read picture books. Like, who cares? So... <laughs> Book it was great. Pizza Hut. When I when I had no palate because I was a kid, Pizza Hut was acceptable to me in 1992, and uh, then Ninja Turtles game was everywhere. So that was that was a good one. The real uh, question, Jason, is: Did you finally try the new updated crust recipe from Domino's? No, because they didn't send me a free pizza. <laughs> I was on Twitter. And I was like, I'm. Damn, I was helping. Yeah. I didn't even say how many retweets till you send me a pizza. They're just like they ignored me. So I was like, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. You're not turtle pizza anyway. Who care about you? So Domino's is dead to me. Um, my <laughs> my next honorable mention is uh probably Final Fantasy IX. Because what? Uh, yeah, that's such a good game. And I thought oh. I liked Final Fantasy VII better until I went back and played both of them. Whatever, you probably like eight. I don't want to I do it. like eight, you son of a yeah, bitch. I love wrong. eight. You're wrong. You could tell if someone doesn't like nine, they're probably a dumbass who like, probably like <laughs> ten too. I don't want to hear it. You probably like ten parts. I didn't eight. like t- I did not like ten. <laughs> I didn't like ten too either. Uh but yeah, uh, go on. Go on. Sorry, this is your thing. That's fine. And um oh Magic uh, Magic the Gathering uh the puzzle mm. quest or whatever for the, the mobile. Yeah, I play that game every day. It's awesome. Never it's- tried it. It's like Magic the Gathering Bejeweled. Like you'd make the the you get the, like the Bejeweled, and then that gives you mana to play spells. And you have Planeswalker abilities, and the game's awesome. Uh, I saw that tweet, and I was like, "Really? You don't play Arena? I never played Arena, <laughs> but I played the puzzle." <laughs> <laughs> and, and everyone was like, "Damn, that's that's controversial." And I was like, "Not really." Puzzle Quest, like the pop up ad on all my porn sites. I mean, anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You I'm should just, browse incognito mode. You have kids. Anyway. I do. It's still get pop-ups. I, I, yeah. So number five. I, yeah. I, I felt like... Sorry, PK. I wanted to do it that games that sort of like were different eras of me as a gamer, but I I sort of abandoned that because I was putting in games that weren't in my top five. Sure. These are all video games, by the way, like Dominion and Dungeons and Dragons, I guess, could have been honorable mentions. Number five, um, I grew up playing those like... Sierra adventure games like King's Quest and uh, Space Quest and Sam and Max and stuff like that. But I oh, would yeah. say out of all those, my favorite, the one I still like that still holds up is Grim Fandango. Wow. Um, you play Grim Fandango? I played that too. I the shit out of Grim Fandango. Yeah. So for those who don't know, I'm sure it's not too many people. It's a very famous game. But it was it's basically a, a game where you just go around and you click on items and you have to put the items together to solve puzzles to move on to the next area. It's, um, you know, you just interact with everything and you're just doing all this trial and error. It's a lot of trial and error. Like the game won't let you do anything wrong. You have to do the exact right thing to move on. And um, it was like a uh, like a Dios de los Muertos uh, sort of a deal where this mm-hmm. guy is in the, the Mexican version of the underworld and you have to sell enough packages onto the um, onto heaven, basically, to, to people and this guy like doesn't get good leads 
He's like <laughs> Jack Lemmon and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross of the Mexican. <laughs> it was Nacho Libre King's Quest. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it was just, it's such a cool game. You meet all these great characters and do all kind of the, the game's really funny. It out of all the like the Sierra type point and click like mist games like that. I think Grim Fandango is the best one. And I think it holds up. Did they do Oregon Trail too? I don't remember. No. Okay. I did I did play Oregon Trail 2 though, like for real. Like that was actually a pretty decent game. Because Oregon Trail 1, it was just like eight pixels, but the second game was actually a, a lot more replayable. It was a real game, yeah. Hunting was fun and yeah, it was just it was a good user interface. Yeah. Um Number four, I would oh, say. Wait, wait, wait. Like, We're going to go around. We're going to go around. Oh, so I thought. You, well, you said me first. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> me first, first for number five. Yeah. PK, you're up. What's your. Do you have honorable mentions or a number f- or just going to your. Way to, way to not tell me how it worked. So I look no, like no, I, 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 I swear I'm an actual host of something here. Yeah. I, don't know. Um, I do have honorable mentions. My honor. I have two honorable mentions and. They are only honorable mentions because I didn't actually play them. My husband did. Ah. Um, but I watched them. So my first honorable mention is The Last of Us, which um, it was like a PlayStation only game. And it was just so good. It was like watching a movie. I cried. It was so good. If you've never played it, you should still. It's a little bit older, but you should still play it. I think it came out with PlayStation 3, so it's not that old. It's it's the last five years, I think. I think it was two, 2014 it came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, great game. But I, PK, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. There's just some games out there where it's just better to watch them. Last of Us, Bioshock, all those. I didn't want to play them, but I could watch someone play them for hours. Grand Theft Auto, another one. I could just watch someone play, uh, have a few beers, and and that could be my entertainment for the night. I don't need to play it, though. Yeah. I didn't think about that game, but I watched my husband play Grand Theft Auto 5, I guess, the most recent one, 5. That, hilarious. Love it. Yeah. That was fun. And my other honorable mention is Red Dead Redemption 2, which my husband is still playing right now. And that's another one. Like, they have just stepped up. They have just stepped up their game with with video game making. Like, it's extremely emotional. I Yeah, there's real stories to them. Absolutely. Red Dead Redemption 2. And I'm not going to say any spoilers because... It's still a failing game, and I don't know if other people will play it, but it is so good. They they have just done a, such a good job with like the cinematography and making you feel like like there's just this one part of the game where you the character that you're playing as is gone from his home for a long time, and then he finally is able to get back and travels for a long time, and you have to like. You can't do any fast travel. You have to like just ride a horse for like five solid minutes while this music plays in the background. And it like makes you feel it in your soul. It's just so good. So those are my honorable mentions. Um, and I actually, I made a list of my top six. So. Okay. <laughs> so you have a third honorable mention. You <laughs> so I have a third honorable mention. Okay, my third honorable mention is going to be Doki Doki Literature Club. What? What? 
No, I don't even know what that is. I was just, yeah. What is yeah, that? Well, it's not a controversial pick. It's a confusing pick. We don't know yeah. what that is. Okay. Well, it's it's a controversial game, also. Um, it's 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 like a it's a computer. You play it on PC. I don't know if you can play it on a Mac or not. Um, it's like a read. It's it's like a novel. It's like a reading novel type game. Um, but I don't I don't even know how to explain it. It was a lot of fun. That was my third automobile mention. Okay, okay so I'm oh man, that has like a like a ninety seven percent positive reviews online. It's a ten it's out of ten on Steam. Ninety seven percent positive user reviews. Is it like an anime game? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it's mm. like a visual novel. It's described as yeah, it's nice. anime. It's like anime schoolgirls. It looks like that sounds fun. Yeah, you guys, I have I have Magic the Gathering tokens with the Doki Doki Literature Club characters on them. That's great. Okay. I'll show you. Nice. One. nice. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, my number five, my number five game is Portal. I love. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Fucking hate Portal, but I love watching oh, people love play Portal. Portal. You hate I love it. it. That's another game where I could watch my brother-in-law play it all night. As soon as he hands me the controller, I'm just like, "Do you like this controller? Because I'm gonna fucking break it." <laughs> So you're bad at Portal, is what you're saying. I am bad, bad at Portal. <laughs> bad at Portal. Yeah, I like the I like the puzzles in it. Good for you. Um, it's just kind of like I kind of find it relaxing because you don't like you're just playing the puzzle each round and you don't you can just stop at any time. Like you don't there's not really a storyline. I mean there kind of is, but there's not really um Hey, Cave Johnson yeah. resents that. <laughs> Bullshit, it's like a fucking math physics class. I hate that game. Okay, well I like playing it. I like I like watching it though, for That's sure. My number five, Portal. Nice. All right, Johnny, you're up. Uh so I am I don't know, I feel like I'm in a lot of different genres versus what I think a lot of other people are getting into. So oh it took a long time for my family to get a Super Nintendo. And when I finally, not a super, no, Nintendo Entertainment System, not the Super, the original. The NES, yeah. And there was a whole bunch of games. I love those games. There's a whole bunch of them on there, but there's the honorable mention is a game called Gauntlet 2. Ooh. And not because Wizard it was, is about to die. Yeah. And not because <laughs> it's that, but because you, with the original NES, you could get an adapter to play four player. So mm. you could get four player, like, oh. yeah, you could get four control. It was a, a dock. That you plug in multi -tab. to both, of the, yeah, multi-tab. So on again, NES, really? On NES, yeah. Wow. It was um, you could plug. That must have been like two years after the SNES came out. <laughs> Maybe it must have been because they got it had it was this adapter plugged into both of the ports for the controllers, and then you got this pod, this like adapter with four ports for four controllers. Of course, if somebody stayed off in the corner and everybody else was in one area, they just couldn't move because they were stuck in the corner of the screen. So there was that, but it was just like I there was I had a soft spot for that game because I don't know I I, I like playing that, but I didn't play it that much. There was another Nintendo game that I played more of. Um, Look but at this my, guy with enough friends to play on a multi-tab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the original LAN party. Yeah. We use we used four player once. <laughs> so Wait, was this connected to the other Gauntlet games? Is this a Gauntlet game where it's like that kind of side scroller? Uh no, no. It was a top down. It was yeah, top down dungeon it, crawler. Yeah, oh, dungeon okay. crawler in the top down. Oh, you yeah. know what? They did do like a Gauntlet Legends or something yeah, like yeah. that for the PlayStation is what probably what you're thinking. Is of. that part of the same franchise or no? Yeah, it is. 
Okay. That was the first time I got drunk was playing Gauntlet Legends. I drank a half a bottle of Jack with my like 12 year old friends. And that it was, game the was best. just so easy, but like it was, you were just like spamming the button. Cause yeah. like, it didn't want you to die. It wanted you to keep pumping in quarters, but at home it's just like, yeah, just hit start, whatever. Yeah. You, you paid 90 bucks for this game or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just finish it. Loser. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sorry, Johnny, go ahead. Uh, my number five actually is a, a drastic turn from video game to uh, it's Super Fight. And I've only ever had a chance to play it once. That's why it's is number five. Game? It is. Um, it's like, I guess it's in that camp of Cards Against Humanity and Joking Hazard. But okay. you you put together, you basically, each per, two people have to put together these fictional characters with abilities and they're all absurd and the you have to debate they have to debate and convince the other person or people which one would win in a fight so it's like a oh. girl scout with a baseball bat and a bowling team or a ninja <laughs> with a battleship that kind of thing so you know you, <laughs> the, awesome. you it comes down to i, I guess you got to try and do this without screaming so you know how debates always end up they end up being shouting matches this, i i love this game i want to play it more i just haven't had many opportunities to but as soon as i played it once it was like i'm getting that game at some point i want that game so That's super fight yeah, I, I think Super Fight is probably right probably one of the best drinking games you could get. So, and it's not, I don't think it's dirty. Like Joking Hazard, you learn things about people you don't <laughs> want to know. And it's, mm. oh, I've seen expansions for this. For Super oh, Fight? Oh, there, there are a million Super Fight expansions. Yeah, it's, it's so it's like Cards Against Humanity has expansion packs and Joking Hazard has the same thing. So, it, But I think for like family fun, Super Fight is probably a bit cleaner and safer than, you know. There are like 20 or 30 different expansions for that. Wow. So this I is a thing. have a lot. There's a 500 card core deck, Sword and Sorcery, the 90s, the 80s, Red Deck <laughs> 1, Red Deck 2, Dungeon Mode, Street Fighter. You wow. say Red Deck One, Red Deck. So I wonder if it has like, uh, if it was created by like some magic people too. That's weird. <laughs> it's an orange deck, so probably not. Yeah. So nice. that. So tune in next Tin Street Hooligans when we play this game uh, live on the stream. Get uh, expansion. You like that, John? Which one? What's the expansion? Nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, if that was your number five. Your honorable. Honorable. That's my number five. Cool. My honorable mention uh, is a also a tabletop game. This one is Betrayal at at House on the Hill. Have you guys ever played that? Which edition? Really good. Uh, just the baseline. Um, because well, they, they they fixed it so like you couldn't spam the elevator on your turn. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. After that, after the fix, I, the, I, the underground river was actually underground. I have like a once a month kind of uh, like work party uh, that we all go to our LGS and the LGS here, like in the town I live in, in Bothell um, has just like walls of games that you could play. Uh, it's called Zulu's uh, games, uh, which it's just so much fun. And these are like high end tabletop games that they trust people to play with, uh, with, and you can order food and beer and all this stuff. It's just a real, real gem of a place. And, uh, yeah, just some work buddies turned me on to this game, and I just think it's so much fun. It, it scratches that clue itch. Uh, I'm a big clue guy, and it, you just get to play uh, basically the premises. You, you're trapped in a, a haunted house, and everyone uh, is 
trying to kind of get out or but then it's, it's kind of a who done it and and one of the uh players turns into the monster basically and you're kind of going from room to room and it's a build on uh type of deal it's a blast to play you can play it and it's not so intricate because some of those like even firefly is it gets pretty intricate sometimes where you have to worry about fuel conservation and all this stuff it's really none of that it's kind of a a watered down version which you could play inebriated or not um and it's just a real good time um so that's just a real good one and then my number five is one that was on uh ted from cardsphere he he tweeted out his five and that's uh you know linked to the past super, super nintendo came out and Link to the Past is just my favorite Zelda of all time. Uh, the music is just iconic. It just, like, every time I hear anything like that uh, or anything from that game, it just gives me that nostalgia feels because I just played the hell out of it. It was, like, all that and, um, like, Mario 2 were, were just, like, my jams when I was a kid. And I just love that game so much. Uh, yeah, and that's my five. Let's go back to Jason for his number four. Mario 2 wasn't even a Mario game. I know. That's why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, who would you, you play? I, I was always Princess or Toad. You either want to. Depending on the level, sometimes Luigi was best for the jumping, and sometimes if you're going to be hucking a lot of turnips, uh, you pick Toad. It was, it was aggro versus control, right? Yeah, I didn't get a Nintendo Entertainment System until I after I got an N64. Huh? Yeah, I got my Nintendo way late. Um, my number four is League of Legends. Yeesh. I don't know if I like the game or not. I just play it. I may or may not. I've just logged hundreds of hours on it. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even great at it because I don't play regular League of Legends. I play just ARAM, which is it's only one lane instead of three lanes. So you're just everyone's middle lane. You don't get to pick your character. You get a random character. And so you don't there's like no metagaming. It's just like, well, you're stuck with this. And it's just all team fighting. It's none of the boring you can play a game in 20 minutes versus like a game where you're laning takes like 45 minutes to an hour. Sure. So it's just like I can play two in an hour versus like spending 35 minutes just killing creeps like, oh, I got the last hit there. That's five gold. I hate that crap. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's it's like the EDH of League of Legends, right? It's just like distilled down to it's it's basically the the last 20 minutes of a League of Legends game that's fun and not the first 25 minutes that are boring. It's tiny so, leaders, so to speak. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's just, yeah. it's all, it's all every, it's the best part of League of Legends and none of the boring shit. So I don't even play it right. And I'm not like people are like, yeah, let's play a game where we're laning. I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. I have one champ. I, I even feel like I'm at all. Every time I think I'm just going to play regular lane games. Like I, I've had the account for like six years. I've never even like taken the ranking challenge or whatever to see what your rank is so I don't, i'm completely unranked with a six-year-old account that's how casual i am but i just <laughs> i'll play an aram for like 20 minutes we'll win i feel like i've got like a 51 percent win rate because that's just what happens with aram so like i don't Pretty even know good. if i'm good at the game or not i'm probably not but who gives a shit i've logged hundreds of hours and i play it you know every uh every couple of days so th that's got to be my number four right nice okay you're up um, okay, so my number four is um, a game that I played at Christmas time. It's Firewatch. Mm. I played it on um, I played it on Switch, and I think it was available on other platforms before that because I don't I don't think it's a new game, but um, I played it on the Switch, and it was really a lot of fun. It's 
I'm not sure if it's like a visual story as well, but it was like pretty short. I mean, I played it in like two days or three days, but um, it was really good. It's just like a story. You, the visuals are really beautiful. You, you just like make decisions for your character and you decide how things are going to turn out based on what you pick. And it's just, it's really good. It's, it's pretty short and I think everyone should play it. Nice. You're coming. You're like your picks are making me feel like not a gamer <laughs> because I don't know what any of these are, but they all sound incredible and amazing. And now I want to go to Zulu's and see if they have any of this stuff uh, on the wall. But I think you said this was a computer game, right? Um, I, Sorry. I played it on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, okay. Switch. I believe you can play it on um, Windows. Or PlayStation Four or Xbox One. Excellent. Um, so yeah, you can play it on the computer, and it was—it's just like it's like visually just like really beautiful, and it's—it's it's not a long game, but it was—it was really fun. So, nice. Yeah, you check it out. Excellent, Johnny. You're up number four. Um, my number four is a dungeon crawl from 1993 from Westwood Studios called Lands of Lore, and. <laughs> This thing, this is this is one of the characters was actually voiced by Patrick Stewart. Stewart, Captain oh. Picard, yeah. And uh, it it's like it's pretty. I it's my number four because I burned so many hours into this game <laughs> at a time when I should have been actually you know playing D and D maybe or hanging out at a bookstore and discovering Magic the Gathering when it was in beta, you know. But now we're learning to talk to girls. Yeah, that we're not gonna talk about that. Uh, right. That's fair. But uh, yeah, uh, Lands of Lore was just it hooked me. It was like one of the, it just you go. I never I never beat the game. We like I got to a point I just couldn't like, figure. There was some clue I didn't find or couldn't figure out. But I just that game just was such a big part of my PC gaming life at that point in time. It was just it's kind of etched in there it's got to be a part of my top five just because i played so much of it you know that, nice. that's ironic because i heard pc culture was killing gaming <laughs> 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 nice oh that's so funny uh i had a number four and i was really gonna stick with it but uh i, I don't know i kind of want to I, I remembered another game that was very important to me when I was when I was younger. Did, did, was anyone old enough besides me to have Sega Channel, or did they offer that in your area? Yes, yeah, the, the Sega TV, where it was like the subscription service, and you mm -hmm. could like, yeah, I remember that. I didn't have it, but I remember that. It was a big in Vegas. It was this big honking cartridge, and and the coax cable uh, cables would actually plug into the back of it. I, I think I've talked about this before, probably on this cast. But yeah, you, you just uh, you just plug it in, or you you put it in to your Sega Genesis like anything else. And this was pre like major internet or anything like that. And you just uh, had this big monstrosity connected to your Sega Genesis, and you could go on. And it was like Netflix, but for Sega games, and uh, a game that frequented quite a bit, and, and I wouldn't have known about it otherwise, was Shining Force. Shining Force oh, was the fucking game. It was the game. I liked it more than Final Fantasy. I know that I'm going to get a lot of heat for that, but it was just such a fun turn-based RPG. So well done. I don't even know. I, I should have come more prepared and, and told you the studio, but um, I mean, I'm sure there's a million and a half emulators on um, online 
Um, and, and I have a, a kind of a, a shared one with this, and that is Final Fantasy Tactics, which I it's still, in my opinion, is my favorite Final Fantasy of the entire series. It was different. It was turn-based. Um, graphically, it looked amazing on the PS1. It, it looks like it's the graphics still hold, holds up for, for Tactics, which looks like it was just way ahead of its time. Um, just, just the best. Uh, where are we going? We're going back to Jason for number three. Uh, I lost an entire summer to Diablo 2. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The whole summer, where'd it go? My brother and I, we played ladder. <laughs> we sold items on eBay. We traded items with people and figured out all the scams for people using bots to, to steal items from people. Uh, yeah, just a uh, whole summer. <laughs> yeah, and I, I could go chase girls because I was dating somebody from college, and then I was home, and I didn't see her all summer, so I was like, I better do something. So I just stayed home and played games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's very reminiscent. I, I had a weird like month of just like Sims, where I just shut myself in. Uh, and the like that. Don't you dare compare. Good game like Diablo 2 with your Sims bullshit. Fine. Oh, Diablo 2 is like that kind of like that time. No, shut up. That's fair. That's fair. All right. PK number three. Totally fair. Sorry. I just wanted to tell people I was a creeper and played Sims. All right, go. You know what? I played Sims for a little while too. Yay! But it is not in my top five. Sorry. Nor should it be. That's why I'm not great, by the way. If she has five whole games she's played. <laughs> my number three is Skyrim. I loved Skyrim. Um, I liked the whole Dragonborn thing. It had a really good story. It made me feel emotions. I probably cried at the end of that game, too. I just, I loved it. I if a video game makes me cry, it's going to be in my top five or my honorable mentions if it made me cry, but I didn't play it. Fair. Yeah. yeah. So Skyrim, that's my number three. I loved it. Did you play any of the other, um, what are they called? Uh, Elder Scroll games. No. That's the okay. only one I've ever played. Yeah. Like Oblivion was like kind of good, but then Skyrim is just sort of like, just kidding. We made the best game of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Oblivion just like comes off as annoying now that Skyrim exists. You're just like, ugh, what were we doing on that? And God, it's, it's just a bad Skyrim. Yeah, yeah, it's so ugly. Uh, Johnny, number three. Uh, number three is another Nintendo game that ate up a lot of time for me, and it's Super Mario Brothers Two. Yes, uh, just because <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure three is better, but. I don't know. Something about Super Mario. Even 2. you know three is better. Everybody knows three is better. <laughs> that, you know, like that. That's fine. Three can be better, but like it's objectively better, but we all love two. <laughs> <laughs> it's objectively that's like Final Fantasy. Super yeah. Mario Brothers 2 is one of those games like when we first got Nintendo, that was one of the games, was one of the first ones we got. And I just that's another one that burned up a lot of time and I just had a lot of fun scrolling through it. And it was I don't know. I it's got a nostalgic soft spot for that's what i got that's what's going on there for for me it's super mario brothers number two hashtag fuck that world level right <laughs> yeah i had a, i had a game boy and game boy super mario 2 
was phenomenal. It was nothing like the Nintendo version. That's then, true. Yeah. Game Boy Mario 3 was Wario, and that game was awesome. Like, you put on different hats and got, like, there was, like, a jet and a dragon hat and, like, a bull hat, and you could bust through blocks. That game was awesome. So, like, <laughs> I did, like everyone's talking about NES games, but I got an NES late, so, like, all my stuff was Game Boy games, and I didn't want to mention Game Boy games because, like, nobody... <laughs> you didn't want to be that kid. Four kids only had a Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I don't, don't want to fake the funk. I mean, Super Mario World was my jam too. Like that was the debut of Yoshi. Like, let's not even. Yeah, yeah, I played that one. That was good. That was like that was like my summer for several years. Super Mario World with my brother. I never had a Super Nintendo. Wow. In mm, my I'm life. It's mm. all right. Did you have a uh, N64, the greatest game system of all time? I mean, I got the N64 like a year before I got a PlayStation 2. Sure. Just like for like for retro purposes, you're like, yeah, let me see. <laughs> yeah, and then I got an NES after that, right? Like I took an NES and a PlayStation 2 to college like <laughs> that. I, I don't know why I didn't put... Um, I know we're going out of turn here, but I, I don't know why I didn't put Tony Hawk, any of them on there. And I, and whatever, I'm a, I'm an idiot for loving it, but I mean, pfft, I loved it. Tony Hawk Pro Skater was just had the best soundtrack of any video game ever. And have good soundtracks. Oh my God. It, that was why you played, right? It, it's just, I mean, who, who didn't when they were younger, just smoked a lot of pot and played Tony Hawk. Um, who, who Johnny, you're up. I think, Right, number two? I, I, no, are you? I, no, I you just went. This is mine. Uh, El no, yeah, it's it's. I, I'm up. Number three, Elder Scrolls as a whole. I couldn't. I couldn't pick one. I mean, Skyrim's obviously the best one. Um, Ob Oblivion. I I put. I feel like I put more time into Oblivion. Final Fantasy VIII of the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> I don't. Did you play any of the other ones? I I I played Oblivion and I played Skyrim. Yeah. What about Morrowind? Did anyone play Morrowind? No. I, no, I, was, I wasn't the right age. I feel like I was yeah. in college during Morrowind. Yeah. I, Morrowind is great. I, I feel like Morrowind was better than uh, Oblivion because Morrowind was just like a more laid back version where it was a lot more of the, hey, uh, talk to this dark elf and then go do something for him, come back and, and he'll give you something. It felt more Zelda ish where oblivion was just like, Hey, you're, you're walking through the woods. Boom. Here's a fucking oblivion gate. Now you're getting, you know, just destroyed by Daedric uh, or dangerous or whatever. And that it was just, it was just like unease all the time. Like you just felt stressed out all the time when you're playing oblivion. Cause it was like, it was like mm -hmm. the like shining force or, or old school final fantasy games where you're just trying to walk around, trying to find a hammer to break the, the, the boulder. And it's just like, bam, something's just like up your ass. And you're just like, Oh my God, I, I just wanted to like forage for a second. It just gave you no time to just settle the fuck down. But like Norwin, <laughs> Morrowind was that was that game where you're just like, oh, I could just like kind of like relax and, and just kind of kick back and just do some just do some stuff. Like it was more stealthy and it was it was just more laid back. So I, I like that one a lot. Daggerfall was cool. Arena was cool. Arena was cool for complete adolescent reasons because I was like 11 years old when Arena came out and you could and you could see boobs and I'm not even going to try to fake <laughs> the fun and be, be like better than I was when I was you know 11 years old you could see boobs and I was just like totally for it and <laughs> then I triangle boobs 
And they were, but you were just like, uh, back then, you are like, what? A video game where you could see, like, nips? It's, it's, it's just weird. There's a code where you could see Laura Croft's triangular titties. Fallout 2 and Oblivion was Fallout 3. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, you're number two. Smash Brothers for the 64. Ah, you're one of those. I get it. So some televisions didn't have the uh, the hookup where you could plug the three cords into the TV. Like some smaller TVs, like if you had a TV in your room, chances are the only way you could hook up uh, an S64 to it was to put those three cords into the front of a VCR and plug the VCR into the TV. So we had to use the VCR to hook up the N64 in my friend's room. So like, why don't we use the VCR to record all our games? So we would record them on VHS tapes and play a game. And then we would watch them because when you're playing a game of Smash Brothers and there's four players, there's so much shit going on. You don't see what's going on. So we watch the tapes and you can see what will like what's happening on the other side of the screen while you were embroiled in some shit. And, uh, you know, we use video editor software to, to, <laughs> to keep our best clips and stuff like that. Like it was just, just dumb shit. You know, we were <laughs> 14, but like that game was that ate a whole summer. Like that was a lot of these other games. I mostly played by myself, but smash was that one game that, that I only played with other people. Did you really, did you ever get like super competitive? I mean, there was some, I work with people that are like in competitive smash leagues. Like they get paid. Like, brawl and shit like that right. nobody plays n64 smash brothers because it was so unbalanced like ness was clearly the best character like sure. it wasn't even close and then like in subsequent games like i don't know i thought i thought 64 ness was very skill intensive and i think like getting really good with fox and in brawl is like not as exciting to me because i i don't know i feel like i don't have the i'm an old man i don't have the reflexes to keep up with these kids so like i never really played competitive smash but like playing with people that were the same skill level as me and playing like old school captain falcon or like grabbing somebody with donkey kong and just walking off the edge <laughs> shit like that like I was Kirby smash, guy. i know it's the perfect game the more shit they added the more it was just like all right yeah, this it's the only fighting game that really held the test of time. That, and I guess you could argue Mortal Kombat, but uh, yeah, PK, you're up. Number two. Uh, okay, my number two is Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Nice. I never um, played. But... Well, I've never played any of the other Legend of Zeldas. It's the only one I've ever played because um, I I never I never had the system. I never had Nintendo systems. So I didn't play any of the other Legend of Zelda's, but um, we got a Switch a couple of years ago, and I have actually not finished that game yet because I don't want it to be over. But it is just, <laughs> it's just gorgeous. Yeah. And I love the story, and I love Link so much, and it's just, it's just good, and I've enjoyed it. It's fun. But this is like a real treat because this is like. You watched like the last season of Breaking Bad, and now you get to go back and watch the rest of them. So, do you have plans to go back and whether you're installing emulators or just getting those old systems, like playing the other Zelda games now? They're kind of remastering them, aren't they? Like, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go back and buy like an old gaming system just to play it. But yeah, if they do remaster it, and it's it's released in a way that i can play it possibly yeah sure 
I, I, I really love Breath of the Wild, and it's the only one I've played. Yeah, there's there's some real good titles in there. Um, I was I was the only weirdo that liked. Uh, what was the second game? It was just Link, right? It was one of the gold cartridges oh. for NES. Was it just oh Link? God, the second one for the NES was a side scroller. Yes, that game yeah. was terrible. Oh, it was great. Oh. Man, it was. Oh man, it was like Castlevania, but with Link in it. Uh, I, all right. I yeah. I nuked my golden. At Link, like Zelda, that I had that golden one from Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. left it on pause for I don't know six hours. <laughs> yeah, because there, no, there was no like you know continue or anything back yeah. there. And then it, it, I came back to it and was like, oh no, everything was just, oh, it was melted. Everything melted. It was the worst. The car, the game was just done after that. I ruined a collector's item. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, John, I don't remember you giving us a number three, but I think you stepped out for a second. But did you do I gave three? You number three? I haven't done a number two yet. Okay, yeah, go for number two. <laughs> uh, my number two, maybe it's a cop out. I don't know. It pro maybe have you heard of Team Fortress? Do you yeah. know Team Fortress? Yeah, yeah, that I, Team Fortress one or Team Fortress two? I can't remember. I, I it was Team a Fortress two because Team Fortress one, like if you bought like Half Life. Game of the Year edition. It came with it. Yeah. Yeah. It came with Team Fortress One and no one was playing it. Yeah. It, whatever. It was, the, it was the online network version one where you go in and it's like a battle royale. You got two teams going at it. And I was always, you know, either going with the engineer or I don't know. That launching. sounds like Team Fortress Two. What yep. year yeah. are we talking? Are we talking uh, like 2006 is... or are we talking like 2000? Ah, oh, God. I don't know. It must have been 2006. That's I been like. Too. It must yeah. have been like a summer back from when was no that game's legit. Team Fortress One is super obscure, like nobody played it. But Team Fortress Two was that's a phenomenal game. It was good See, Fortnite. I'm, I'm trying to remember when I was playing Team. I want to. I want to say this was no. It must have been where the heck was I? <laughs> where, where are you now, John? The game, yeah, the, the game was that engrossing. That weird. Didn't even know where you were. I, yeah, is I was that you I know, no, I, I feel like I think it might have actually been it was Team Fortress One Network where you could do battle games like with people online. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the one I was playing. Oh, it was great. You're right. I, it's like I think I was playing that one, and I think that did they still have the engineers? They had like I think that's it. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. It wasn't the best graphics, but it was still yeah. I I sank some time to that. I feel like it was like earlier in my college days when i played it didn't need to be because i think the aesthetics worked for what it was and i think they figured it, it out before better than counter -Strike. what's that it looked better than counter-strike at the time yeah yeah and people were obsessed with counter-strike counter-strike was a very good game yeah it was very skill intensive um my number two uh th th this is weird this is the only one of the franchise that i actually really really enjoyed and that's fallout new vegas um i did not like fallout 3 uh, wow. i didn't play any of the other fallouts uh, fallouts fallouts afterwards fallout new vegas hit me in a way that almost no other game did it was just i, I think maybe because i was living in vegas at the time the aesthetically it just hit all the right notes the the voice acting cast was incredible um all all the choices all the, i love i'm a sucker for factions you know Hello, Ravnica. Hello, Game of Thrones. That just kind of 
hit all the right John notes for me, and I just I, I played the shit out of Fallout New Vegas. Quick, funny story. Not funny, because I, I think I broke a controller or two because of it. Um, I was so mad, because I, I that, this was at the point where I was trying to 100% every game I was playing, achievement-wise. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I even played Dragon's Age 2 four times, and that is one of the worst games ever made. I fucking hate Dragon's Age 2, but I played it for four times because I was that much of a weird completionist um, pre-YouTube days. Now I sink all my channel into this shit. Um, but while I was playing... New Vegas, I couldn't 100% it because of a glitch where I had to meet a certain person. But so, like, on the map, uh, I, I fast traveled to that place, and that person was literally stuck inside of a mountain, and I couldn't talk to her. And it just, I was so sad, and I was so pissed off because that was one of the last achievements I could get. And I would 100% of that thing. I, I beat that thing on like insanity or whatever the hardest difficulty was. And uh, it just still to this day bothers me to think about it. But what a what a great uh, just the the soundtrack to that. Um, uh, I think Ironhide. I used to listen to that song constantly. It was just so much fun. Um, being a Vegas person, just seeing all those places even more dilapidated than they were in real life uh, was just like. Was a yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so funny too because it's just like the one place you know the storyline, a brief storyline. It's just like yes, you know, uh, Fallout. It's after the nukes happened, but Vegas was the one place um, that kind of it still happened. Like the nuclear holocaust happened, but it was the least touched because of uh, there was this other. Uh, there was like a, conten a contingency plan, a contingency. Well, I can't even talk. Uh, plan on top of the stratosphere, basically, and it nuked all the nukes, even though this was supposed to be set in like the 1950s. And uh, so a lot of it was untouched. So it was just cool, like walking the streets that I kind of walked uh, in, in like a weird, nightmarish uh, setting. Uh, I, I just love the hell out of it. It, Bring actually, it, home, it actually wasn't set in the 1950s. It was set in like the nuclear holocaust happened in like 2030, but it was like a weird alternate universe where right. they basically never discovered the transistor. Right, so right, right. Electronics never miniaturized. So like computer banks were like whole rooms and stuff like that. And it had that 50s aesthetic, like how the, the cars and the like the televisions and everything looked. But it, it was just it's set in like a weird alternate future. That like they had the fifties aesthetic, but it was like in like twenty thirty or something like that. It was like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie where it was reality, but a little skewed. Sure, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little teaser to Jason and I's episode of. Okay, uh, Jason, bring us home number one. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Look at you. Ooh. You can't, can't convince me there's a better game. Oof. You just can't. It was just, uh, yeah, it's just uh, the game is perfect, right? It's just, it's the best Castlevania game. Um, you don't even get to play as Richter Belmont until you beat the whole game. And you beat it easily and get the bad ending. You're like, what the hell? And then, then you figure out later there were some clues within some of the items you had to pick up. And if you follow those clues, they'll actually lead you to another part of the game. And there's a second dracula's castle that is upside down and you go into that and then get the good ending so mm -hmm. like you beat the game at like 95 percent, and you're like the game was a little easy and then you realize you got the bad ending so then either you went on game facts or you scoured 
the game for clues, which is what I did. And it was very rewarding to figure out that you actually had to get these glasses that let you see that Richter Belmont actually was possessed by the Dark Priest Shaft as opposed to uh, just being a guy you kill. So you actually don't kill Richter, you save him. And uh, then you get to go to the Upside Down Castle and do it all over again. And uh, yeah, that, that game is just phenomenal. E- easily my number one with a bullet. I I can't believe I left that off. I can't argue. It's 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 almost like transcends the list, right? Like it's just such a perfect game where it's not. It's like it's so good. It's not like a waste to put it in my list because it doesn't say anything about me other than I recognize quality. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, PK number one. Uh, my number one game is World of Warcraft. No. I spent years and years of my life on World of Warcraft. I met my husband on World of Warcraft. I have a World of Warcraft tattoo. It's, it, it was a huge part of my life and I love it and I don't play it anymore, but it will always have a soft spot in my heart. Shut up. Ephraim. I know. I was just going to say. He says, don't say well. Oh, God. <laughs> it's perfect. I loved it. I, I, I don't play anymore, but it, it's a very important game to me, and it always will be. Well, thank you for sharing. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> well, you know, we all. You were batting a thousand ball. until. Yeah, that's you know. it. I picked Diablo 2, and I didn't even like that game. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a Diablo 2 tattoo. Like, I didn't give a shit about that game. So, yeah, that's a great number one. Well, I mean, WoW is a game. It's not even a game. It's just like a lifestyle that I it chose not to to pick up because I know I have this weird, addictive kind of personality, and it would have ruined my life. I wouldn't I have been able to college. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So good on you for for – Playing it, loving it, meeting your husband, coming out on the other end on top. Not, it's like you beat the house, right? Like you're a survival. Yeah, you story. tried crack twice. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think that's a, I mean, a round of applause. Yes. Right there. Thank you. Uh, Thank yes. you. Thank you, uh, Johnny. Number one. See, hearing these other games now, I feel this one makes me dumb. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, okay. So easy. Mm, it it's Halo 2. Okay. It's Probably Halo not. 2 because I liked Halo 1 so much. I went and bought the 360 exclusively to play Halo 2 nine months before it was available because I didn't read fine print. So <laughs> yeah, I uh I got by on a, a janky Call of Duty World War whatever thing that was a very short game like i actually finished that one it didn't seem like a very long game but halo 2 for the online multiplayer like all the different maps all the just that i had a blast with my favorite my favorite moment in halo 2 was in a multiplayer i got the chain gun i got over to the flag and i saw on the map i like squatted down so they couldn't see me on the radar and i saw them they were lining up around the corner getting ready to like do one of those tactical like in a row kind of thing and just mowed them down it was like i killed four in a row i got a special achievement i was like yes it was hilarious it was that was one of my favorite moments in halo 2 yeah I, I feel like the halo series and maybe the soul caliber series were only good for me when i was in my pothead phase i mean because i was just killer 
at those games. Uh, and then I played him sober. I'm like, Ugh. even Madden too. Like I was like Pete Carroll up in this bitch. And uh, when I was, when I was a little inebriated, but not so much sober. Um, number one, get acclimated to the xbox controller every time i play with my friends sure because i had a playstation and i was like what is this controller it's too <laughs> large it's so large that japanese people would hold the controller upside down because it was too big for their hands <laughs> <laughs> so like we'd play halo and i would just like suck ass for 45 minutes while i got used to the controller and then i would be like still below average but like better and then we always played on battle creek because we lived in battle creek and we thought that was hilarious yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's just an American thing where we're just like we gotta change our controller every system, and then like Texas size controllers, everything bigger. Yeah, gotta do this with the button smashing, and then you got freaking <laughs> Sony is just like we're just gonna give you the same thing. Like we're not gonna change it at all. We're like, oh yeah, this is probably a good idea. Uh, number one, you have to buy it with the new. You can't use your PlayStation One controller. I know. God forbid, but <laughs> we'll keep it the same at least. <laughs> uh, with a bullet for me, which I'm surprised. I don't know what this says about me or what this says about the group, but I have to say Mass Effect uh, as far as the entire series goes, namely Mass Effect 2. Although, uh, PK, you said if you get emotional about a game, uh, yet yeah. to put it on the list. I was inconsolable. With Mass playing Mass Effect three, it was the end of an era of like a lifetime, and I just oh Mass Effect three with with Morden's scene and all these scenes and all this shit and talk about you know multiple endings that it was like people were people that loved the franchise were so enfranchised about it that they bitched so much that they that the Bioware had to come up with different endings uh, just to shut people up so the death threats would stop. And, and whether that was a right move or not, that means that this game literally affected people on a different level than a lot of games could. And talk about a story. I could, I, you know what? I, I played, I was trying to be punk rock and I played Mass Effect 1 on like normal mode or like even hard mode, I think, because I was trying to get the completionist, you know, thing. But after that, I didn't even care about playing the game. I just wanted to watch the movie and basically just experience the game. And I, I was I was more annoyed when the cutscenes would end in this than Final Fantasy. And I would just play it on like story mode or whatever the easiest setting was. And I just wanted to experience. I, I just wanted to read more, basically. And I don't think that I, I, I know the newest Mass Effect Andromeda got a lot of heat. And maybe rightfully so. The the sting is too like the cut is too deep to even go back after Mass Effect three. I just thought it was a perfect saga. It's it's what I want a a movie to be. It's what I want a space opera to be. It's Star Wars, but for video games. And I just I just uh, it just changed video games and what they could do, what they could be for me. Um, and, and it's so funny too, cause I got it. I got mass effect one as like a, I think like a white elephant gift and I, and I opened it up. I'm like, what the f is this? And they left the, they left a the price tag on. It was like, it was way after it came out. It was like 12 bucks. And I was, I, I think uh, we kind of talked about this, Jason, where you got um, uh memento like, like that. It was when you were telling that story on, on director's cut, it, it kind of oh, brought, yeah. it kind of, brought that uh that memory to me where I, I looked at mass effect one i was just like 
the fuck is this? You know, I want like uh, an Elder Scrolls game or something like that. And then I popped it on and I just never looked back. I played Mass Effect 1 four times through. I played Mass Effect 2 so many times. Um, it was, it's just the perfect, perfect game. Um, yeah, that's pretty much our top five. If you wanted to, you know, come to 10 Street Hooligans and just hear about magic, sorry to disappoint you, but I think, uh, you know, just judging from the chat's uh, reactions, that everyone had a pretty good time kind of walking down memory lane with the four of us. Uh, so we'll just kind of go around the horn. Where can everyone find you? PK, we're not doing Dungeons & Dragons tonight, but you're still on the show. Where can everyone find you, girl? Everyone can find me. On YouTube at just search Pixie Can Plays. You can find me on Twitter, uh, PKP underscore magic. You can find me on Instagram, Pixie Can Plays. And I think that's it. <laughs> How Mass Effect uh, uh, transcends being a video game, PK's channel transcends being a Magic the Gathering channel. It's just if you want to laugh, you want to, you just want to have fun uh, with the game or kind of have fun at the game, uh, at the game's expense. Go over and please subscribe to PK because she is just absolutely phenomenal. Can't wait to have you back on the Dungeons and Dragons episodes. Johnny, the producer, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me here at Tin Street at the they they said we said channel. Uh, you can also find I have a YouTube channel called Cackling Carnarium that I do little with. But next week is one of the few times I am going to be on there with Milo, and we're going to talk Ravnica theme cube. Um, then I, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Slivers. I'm I just opened an Instagram account, Johnny Slivers on Instagram, and uh, I do a monthly EDH article for Cardsphere.com. Excellent. And our special guest on this show, if you uh, are a subscriber to this channel, and thank you for being one, if you are, uh, this this man is very familiar to you on another show talking about movies, and that's Director's Cut. But for this episode, we are talking magic and all that. So, Mr. Jason Alt from Brainstorm Brewery, where can everyone find you, sir? Uh, you can find me in the club, bottles full of bub. I got the X if you're in the tank, bro. I'm the co-host of the Brainstorm Brewery and Money Drafts podcast. Like you said, I am the co-host of the They Said We Said podcast, Director's Cut. I'm a writer for MTG Price and CoolStuffInc.com. I'm the content manager at EDATrek.com. I am on Twitter at Jason E. Alt. And uh, I don't know. I read it. I'm in some, some Discord channels. I Just anything to avoid having to spend time with my daughter. She's a little, she's a little shit. So yeah, yeah. Self-proclaimed, very Googleable. I love that. I, I just want to make a shirt with Jason's face that says "very Googleable." That was one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, I, I've been, I'm very. I've like I, I logged in on incognito mode so it wouldn't have all the bias from my google stuff and i was like oh some stuff that comes up about me it's not all negative so that's good yeah sure that's why you're in that <laughs> mode uh you can find me on this very channel <laughs> you find me right here they said we said uh hosting this show uh 10 street hooligans also hosting the hive mind uh and some other movie stuff uh as well uh, 50 50 channel hope you guys enjoy uh guys and gals enjoy uh find me on twitter at orzov done until next time uh, I don't know. See you in the multiverse. Catch you in the movies. Watch stuff. Bye. Watch this. Subscribe. Patreon. We need like 19 more people. Cards here. <laughs> Inked gaming. All the stuff. <laughs> Goodbye.